right guys, summer slaughter's over, and now we're doing spooky season. It's spooky season! I'm thriving. Dude, we've already started our Halloween movie marathon, it's great. (laughs) I'm in love with spooky season. Pumpkin spice is in the air. I bought wine glasses today from home goods mm-hmm. the stemmed wine glasses but instead of a stem it's a skeleton holding up the glass and i love them so much so this is the time of year where we get our year-round decorations yeah mm-hmm. our, not like, our seasonal decorations yeah, home decor spooky time is all the time yes <clears throat> so our first cryptid that we're doing Hails right from America, and I believe all the ones I'm we're gonna focus on mm-hmm. this year will be American or like folklore. So this one's coming right from Ohio, and Michigan, and Connecticut. We have three different variations of the this. Oh, oh, I was about to say, is this yeah. Ohio is for cryptids? No, Ohio is for cryptids. I need that sticker now. <laughs> Jesus, we, we should make that. But um, <laughs> it's a t-shirt idea. Uh-huh. There we go. But yeah, um, Sam, let's get into the melon heads. Melon heads are described as small humanoid creatures with extremely large misshapen heads who occasionally emerge from hiding places to attack people. They are often hairless with deformed limbs, razor-like teeth, and glowing red eyes. This literally sounds like a two-year-old. <laughs> I mean, essentially. This uh, sounds like a two-year-old that has not had a nap. <laughs> so, to me, it almost sounds like greys, like extraterrestrial almost. Yeah. But then all the urban legends that we'll get into kind of leads into something a little bit more scientific-based instead of cool paranormal. Extraterrestrial. Yeah. So, they are truly a horrific sight to behold, if you ever catch a glimpse of them and live to tell the tale. They survive by eating small animals, stray cats, and human flesh. Usually the flesh of teenagers or hikers who disappear. The melon heads serve as convenient explanations. So, the melon heads, if you could... The best way I could describe how they look in the folklore is they have these gigantic swollen heads and these bulbous eyes and teeny little bodies. Like aliens. Yeah. They look like Funko Pops. Yeah. No, that's dead on the money. They're Funko Pops. (laughs) They're Funko Pops. Yep. Um, Are they ones that have escaped from the box? That nobody got to claim. Maybe. They're the ones that people tried to like saw the head in so half to get the yes, in them. That's exactly where they are. They're the ones where they're like, there's something inside the head. Let me saw it open and look at it. Never mind. Throws so in the trash. That's why you don't ever take the Funko Pops out of the box. That's exactly what you All solved. ours are still in the box. Yep. You've solved so them. are mine. Yeah. You've solved the mystery. I've got Britney Spears. And one is. <laughs> the judgment that's going on over here is so palpable. It's what? not even funny. And I've got a Barbie one too. What? Ours are like Iron Maiden, Beetlejuice, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. I need the Backstreet Boys Millennium Funko Pops. We have all the like sad gamer boy ones. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm larger than life over here. 
Somebody's with my Backstreet Boy Funko Pops. <laughs> We're trying to stay on the theme of spooky season with our Funko collection. Are we though? I think we have one in there that's not even part of the spooky season. We have Boba Fett, which is that was one of yours. All right. So before we can before this becomes a Funko Pop podcast <laughs> i'm sorry I, I literally think that when you first brought them up and sent the notes all i could think of is like this is either some kind of funko pop or it should be a tv show on like a children's network like nick jr there's actually like a movie there's a movie yeah there's a melonheads movie yeah interesting is it b-roll <laughs> it's or is it less than that? Uh, is it like G-roll? It, yeah, it's... it's oh, my great. God. It looks, it's not great. It's... It's paper mache and a balloon. No, no, it's it's not that bad, but it's it's very low budget. <laughs> it's paper so, mache and a balloon. Let's get into um, the different variations on the legend. So, these attribute different origins to the entities in the folklore of Ohio, Michigan, and Connecticut. So we're going to dive into the Kirtland Melonheads first. They're from Ohio. These, this one is one of my personal favorites. I think these, uh, the Kirtland Melonheads and the Connecticut Melonheads are way better than the ones from Michigan. I'm excited. Yeah. In the woods of Ohio are dark tales of a mad doctor and the mutant descendants of his horrific experiments. A mysterious man known only as Dr. Crow lived in a secluded house on Wisner Road in Kirtland, Ohio, an eastern suburb of Cleveland. Some say he was married and that his wife was unable to have children. Other accounts say that the crows had a child who suffered from hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain, which caused the youngster to be severely disfigured. Dr. Crow may not have been a real doctor, or he may not, or he may have been stripped of his medical license, but that didn't stop him from his work. He was said to be the guardian of a number of orphaned children, or perhaps he was the staff physician Although there are no records of any orphanage ever being in the area, in either case, the children became the victims of his macabre medical practice. So back during this time, like when this story was, I guess the folklore around the story was originating, there was all these like tuberculosis wards and shit in America and psych wards. And there's all, you always hear these urban legends of these doctors committing like atrocious experiments on these on these people that are in these wards. And I, I feel like that is some severe body horror and it's just really cool. Like, um, one of my favorite movies is, um, a house on haunted Hill. Oh my God. I remember when we watched that. <laughs> it's, it freaked her the fuck out. I she couldn't didn't sleep. sleep. Like the, do, the, the ghost doctor fucking, the scene where he they he's like walking and it's just really fucking weird because they filmed him walking backwards out of the room, but they played it going forwards. It just it's very off putting and unsettling. So, but yeah, that's what that makes me think of. Possibly in an attempt to help his own child, or maybe in some sort of quest for a cure, Doctor Crow performed experiments on the children. Horrific. 
painful experiments, including injecting fluid into their heads. The repeated, quote, treatments caused the malformations that gave the children their terrifying ex- appearance. The melon heads, as they were called, were docile, helpless victims of the madman's strange fascinations. Years passed, and Dr. Crow's insanity raged. The escalating evil spilled out from the doctor to patient. The children, those who survived, went mad. In an unexpected act of revolt, the melon heads attacked Crow, taking vengeance in a most violent manner. The doctor died at the hands of his children, who were now free from collective captivity. The melon heads set fire to the doctor's house and laboratory, destroying any and all records of the non-sanctioned experiments and deplorable abuse. They were free, but where could they go? The only home they had ever known was gone, as was the only adult they had ever dealt with. Look, I mean, all I can say is don't shit where you eat, you know? <laughs> like, maybe not kill the guy who's keeping you alive. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. And yeah, he might be injecting your brain with radiator fluid, but, I mean, at least she got three hots and a cot, you know? I said that to somebody recently. They were like, what the fuck does that even mean? What? Like, you've never heard three hots and a cot? Three meals fuck? and a place to sleep, man. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. I was talking about, like, jail or something. It's like, you get three hots and a cot. Like, you know. They're like, what? We might need to experiment on you, but hey, you know. <laughs> you get, get three meals. Get a place to sleep. Yeah, it's you warm. get fed. Whatever, Better than being an orphan, dude. Right? I don't know, though. I don't know. I don't know if I I would like to be dissected and vivisected and put back together again. What's vivisected? Right through the center. No, thank you. I'm good on that. The melon heads took to the woods, hiding together, scared, angry, seeking shelter and food wherever they could find it. They had no ability or desire to communicate with the outside world. Once again, they were alone. Another version of the story paints quite a different picture of Dr. Crow. Instead of the mad scientist inflicting abhorrent abuse on orphans, Crow was a gentle, loving man seeking only to help children suffering from hydrocephalus. Maybe because of his personal history... Maybe out of the goodness of his heart, Crow took in dozens of orphan, abandoned, and unwanted children, giving them a safe and secure place to call home. You stay away from that Crow house now. He got all them waterhead babies up there. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my God. Don't trick or treat at the Crow house. <laughs> I can't. All them candies going to turn you into a melon head. I know that I think I'm pretty sure there's a candy that, that you're gonna have to Google this and find it. And yes. if it's in the shape of a watermelon, I will never be able to think of this podcast and, <laughs> or think of that at this episode and not envision like a little tiny, scrawny little body. Where's like that? A big old watermelon. Where's that dumbass Snapchat filter. Of oh a my god, head. that's exactly what it is. That's exactly. We I'm were all sure. melon heads. Yes. The melon heads, as the ignorant neighbors called them, loved the good doctor. He was like a father who gave them unconditional love and acceptance. In his secluded hideaway on Wisner Road, 
Dr. Crow cared for the unfortunate children, shielding them from the, from the cruelty of the outside world. All was well for the unusual family until the aging Dr. Crow suddenly died of natural causes. Now, upset and frightened, with no one to care for them, no one to feed or clothe them, the Melonheads became enraged. They set fire to the house, burned Dr. Crow's body, and fled to the woods. What a way to be thanked. Right? They just burned down your house and torched your corpse. Just fucking rude. <laughs> so rude. How rude. How fucking rude. They took their anger out on anyone who crossed their paths. The locals knew to stay far away from the old crow property, but other curiosity seekers went looking for trouble. You gonna see them waterhead babies up there with the big bulbous eyes and razor teeth, and they're gonna strip you to the bone. Like piranhas. They're like little they live mutant in the piranhas. Amazon. You. <laughs> I can't. I can't fucking eat it. Now that. <laughs> they got me. That fucked me up. <laughs> now my brain's thinking of like pygmies. Yeah, they're kinda just with big. They're huge like heads. what's that like? Pygmy? You never heard of a pygmy? <gasps> what the hell's a pygmy? They're tiny people. Yeah, they're tiny. They are cannibals. Yeah. They live oh. in the rainforest. Yes. Okay. We'll do an episode on them eventually. <gasps> okay. So here's where the two versions concur. An encounter with the melon heads always results in terror. Yeah, because they're a bunch of pissed off little people with huge heads. They're like a cross between Funko Pops and Gremlins. I feel like it's it's like a child that, you know how they say they can't support their own head? Mm-hmm. So their heads are just like bobbling all over the fucking place. <laughs> Is that who the melon heads are? Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what they look like. As the years passed, the melon heads grew. The ones who survived reproduced, creating more deformed offspring. The insanity was passed as well as the physical characteristics. The Melonheads guarded their territory from outsiders. They were blamed for numerous attacks and some kidnappings. Some accounts say that they stole livestock, pets, even children, using them as a food source. Cannib- like a fucking chupacabra or some shit? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly like what that. I was thinking. Cannibalism was not out of the question in desperate times. This is like the North American pygmy. It's like the Donner Party. I was thinking, like, the only person I think that could direct a Melonheads movie would be Rob Zombie. Yes. And do it justice. It'd just be like the most insane, like, Hills Have Eyes meets the Firefly uh, Firefly family. Fucking just, it's great. Melonheads have been spotted near the alleged site of the Crow residence for decades. Wisner Road is a hot spot for legend trippers and paranormal investigators. Teenagers trek to the Kirtland area hoping to catch a glimpse of the monstrous beings. There are no records of a Dr. Crow ever living in Lake or Cuyahoga County. Hope I said that right. No records of an orphanage in the area. No birth records, no medical accounts of local children with hydrocephalus or any similar condition. But who knows? That's, I mean, 
It could be. There's always some truth to every urban legend. <laughs> Michigan and Connecticut melon heads have oddly similar characteristics, with the latter tracing their ancestors back to colonial times. That story has its roots in witchcraft. Ooh. The melon heads of Michigan are said to reside around Felton Mansion although they have also been reportedly seen in southern forested areas of Ottawa County. According to one story, they were originally children with hydrocephalus who lived at the Junction Insane Asylum near Felt Mansion. The story explains that after enduring physical and emotional abuse, they became feral and were released into the forest surrounding the asylum. The Allegan County Historical Society asserts that the asylum never existed, although it was at one point a prison. However, the story has been part of the local folklore for several decades. Lake Town Township manager Al Meshkin told the Holland Sentinel that he had heard the tales as a teenager, noting that his friends referred to the beings as wobbleheads. Like I said, when they walk, their heads <laughs> you are did. Just, just wobbling all you over the place. It. I mean, if your head is bigger than your body, it's yeah. like they, they have teeny little bodies and hu- humongous heads, and it's it's kind of right. cute. It's kind of cute. Your body, <laughs> right? Till they, you know, swarm you like a pack of land piranhas. <laughs> land piranhas. That's what I'm going to call them. Why is there not a cryptid of that? Right? There is apparently. Yeah, yeah melon heads. Big bulbous <laughs> melon heads. <laughs> Some versions of the legend say that the children once lived in the mansion itself, but later retreated to a system of caverns or caves in a nearby hill left over from an abandoned zoo. Some versions of this legend say that the children devised a plan to escape and kill the doctor that abused them. I just would love for Joe Exotic to get out of prison and open up his own cryptid zoo. Oh my God! And have them you come oh see my, my melon heads. <laughs> Y'all like meth? Y'all like meth? Y'all like meth? I can't. It is said that the children had no place to hide the body, so they cut it up in small pieces, which they hid around the mansion. Rumors exist that teenagers who had broken into the mansion saw ghosts of the children and claimed to see shadows of the doctor's murder through the light coming through an open door. That's pretty fucking crazy. That, like, that act through time could, like, replay in Mm -hmm. shadow form. Well, they always say that, like, in a ghostly form, like, things will, like, reenact. Like, in, like, a lot of times, like, in, like, sounds and stuff like that. Yeah, like, the residual haunts and stuff. Yeah, it's not like an intelligent haunting. It's just leftover. Yeah. The legend has spread throughout the region even becoming the subject of a 2011 film simply titled The Melonheads, which is based around the West Michigan legend. Is this the movie you're talking yeah. about? Did you watch part of it? I watched the trailer, and I, that was enough for me. <laughs> no, really. we, we might have to get drunk and watch it one night. Oh, my God. I can't. Is that all it's going to take? I'm going to have to be drunk to watch this? Yeah. I might live stream us doing it. Oh, that'd be so funny. Yeah. That'll be fun. Several variations of the Melonhead legend can be found throughout the Southwest Connecticut, especially in central and eastern Fairfield County and western New Haven County, Connecticut. 
Melonhead stories surfaced in Connecticut after World War II, a time when people moved away from cities into the suburbs. They probably reflect the New York exurbanites, prejudiced, and fear of isolated rural folk. Yeah, this is this is like the same thing as like people in the big areas of the United States making fun of like West Virginia, Kentucky, and Alabama and shit. I'm from Virginia and I still make fun of West Virginia. I mean, you know, there, there's that. You're going for low hanging fruit there. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. It's fine. Most of the time when people are like, where are you from? I'm like, North Carolina. And they're like, oh, what part? And I'm like, bitch, fuck you. I'm, an, I'm from an hour away from the damn beach. <laughs> Two hours max. Yeah. When people are like, oh, you're from West Virginia? Ah! I said, Virginia. No West. Why are there no melon heads in, uh, in West Virginia? That would be really cool. Well, there was a family with blue skin. What? What? Yeah. Like, for real? Yeah, they were so inbred that they all had blue skin. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. How does that... You, we're going to talk... I'm going to Google that later. Yep. <laughs> On another note, I'm going to Yeah, right? I'm going to tuck that away for later. They They're, put the blue in the Blue Ridge Mountains. <coughs> oh, my God. No. I'm from the Blue Ridge Mountains. Cool. You're welcome. Thank you for ruining that. <laughs> if you're not ruining camping or grilling or anything, it's got to be you got to ruin states for the rest of us now. Yep. Got to ruin the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm from there, so... I, I was about to say ruined uh, incest, but I was like, never mind. I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, Pornhub <laughs> is doing a good job of uh, keeping incest alive. On that note, there are several primary Connecticut variations. One theory claims that they came from a family accused of witchcraft and banished into the wilderness, where they survived and inbred. Through the centuries of inbreeding, they mutated into melon heads. According to one variation of the myth, Fairfield County was the location of an asylum for the criminally insane that burned down in the fall of 1960, resulting in the death of all of the staff and most of the patients with it 10 to 20 inmates unaccounted for supposedly having survived and escaped into the woods. So all three um areas there's a building that burns down uh-huh every like the main players that do the horrible acts these people are murdered horrifically uh-huh and there's no trace of like the bodies left behind and there's a doctor yeah there's always like some type of m- scientist or doctor doing experiments on these people of course there's nothing left they ate him they ate him. They ate him. You ever seen the movie Wrong Turn? Yes. Think that, but with midgets. No. I've seen the one. It's like, I think it's like Wrong Turn 3 or 4 or 12. <laughs> Where are know. these guys at in that but movie? In Jesus Christ, Sam, it's not the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> There's like five Wrong Turns. What the fuck? That's four too many. Yeah. Uh... I fiz- like I actually like gagged at one of them. Okay, I have to watch it now. I think it's like wrong turn four or three. I don't know. Oh, uh, they need to do a wrong turn melon heads. 
<laughs> that would be a wrong turn. The legend states that the melon heads' appearance is the result of them having resorted to cannibalism in order to survive the harsh winters of the region and into inbreeding, which in turn caused them to develop hydrocephalus. Some retellings of this version substitute the asylum or prison with places of business or campgrounds and the inmates slash patients with employees, staff, or campgoers. Figures. You know, you know, I'm down on camping. <laughs> Ryan wants to go camping. And I'm like, nope, uh, nope. not after. No, thank you, sir. He can thank me I'm for ruining that. Nope. Individual variations will modify what town these individuals were originally from and where they end up. According to the second variation, the melon heads are descendants of a colonial era family from Shelton Trumbull who were banished after accusations of witchcraft were made against them, causing them to retreat to the woods. According to the second variation, the Melonheads are descendants from a colonial-era family from Shelton Trumbull, who were banished after accusations of witchcraft were made against them, causing them to retreat into the woods. As with the first version of this legend, this variation attributes the appearance of the Melonheads to inbreeding. Melon heads allegedly prey upon the humans who wander into their territory. Like the first version, individual retellings will modify what town the family was originally from and where they end up. A number of Connecticut-based legends of the melon heads have one characteristic in common. The inclusion of a secluded, rustic, or single-lane, usually dirt road, running through the Melonheads' wooded territory. Many towns in Fairfield County and New Haven County have rural forested sections, and it is not uncommon for these forests to have rural roads running through them. These roads at times are associated with the local variation of the Melonhead legend and are said to be part of the Melonheads' territory. In a number of towns, several legends place the Melonheads' territory around a mysterious and mythical street commonly referred to as Dracula Drive. That is metal as fuck, dude. <laughs> like, <coughs> I would pay the city to change the street name here to Dracula Drive. What? Oh, the new house? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, bye, the Goodbye, Boxus. What, goodbye, whatever, anything. They always pick like a tree, so I'm just like throwing out ones like that. Like, goodbye. Christian, please stop doxing yourself. Hello, Dracula I know there's Drive. like a, a section in Surfside where it's like oak, maple, birch. I'm yeah. Out of, I'm, out of, I'm out of trees. They have a lot of tree names. Yeah. Lots of tree names. None of the towns that have a melonhead legend have roads designated as Dracula Drive. Depending on what version of the legend is told, one of several existing streets are mistakenly referred to or coincidentally coincide with the Dracula Drive mentioned in the melonhead stories. Like, you would think that there would be all sorts of weird stories coming off of Dracula Drive, like werewolves, vampires. Yeah. Nope. Just tiny, just little people with big bulbous heads. Well, that's no fun. I mean, it's still badass. Like, yeah. 
I mean, it'd be fun to just take somebody out there and drop them off at Dracula Drive. I'd be like, all right, man, if, we'll pick you up in the morning if you survive. I wonder how much it would be for us to ask the city to change our road names that. <laughs> it would be cool. Our neighbors would hate us. Oh, yeah. Probably. It's fine, though. My neighbors hate us. Just so. put a street sign that says that in the driveway. <gasps> Don't tempt me. I will, t- I will make it look legit, too. <laughs> Green and everything. Green and everything. Like a real fucking state, like a real street sign. Make it red. I guess it would have to be red. Mm. Yeah, it's Dracula. Make it blood red. Yeah. I would. So the legend goes like this. Back in the 1980s, a group of girls from Notre Dame High School in Fairfield decided to go out joyriding after a Friday night football game. Their names were Megan, Sue, Kim, Deb, Jen, and Karen. There's always a Karen. (laughs) Fucking Karen. Fucking Karen. But it's all her fault. Of course it's all her fault. She probably wanted to speak to their manager. It's probably her idea. It probably was her idea. (laughs) Just a group of all-American girls looking for harmless fun. They got into Deb's Blue Granada and set off into the dark night. After driving around for a while, they decided to go someplace spooky, Velvet Street in neighboring Trumbull. They, the locals had given Velvet Street the nickname Dracula Drive because of the strange things that supposedly happened there. Megan told her friends that, strangest of all, little monstrous humanoids with huge heads were sent to live in the woods surrounding Dracula Drive. Why not try to find them? That just seems... That's the most white people shit. I was literally about to say, that's how you know they were all white. Like, we watched The Strangers the other night, and I was just screaming at the TV. That movie was filmed in Florence. Huh. Interesting. That house? I did not know that. Mm -hmm. It's in Florence. But yeah, I was just like screaming. I was like, hide in the bathtub, you dumb bitch. Yeah. White people also yelled at the TV during... Horror movies. He yells mm. at the TV about everything. Yeah. Like, he'll be silent as fuck, and then just, like, he'll be like, listen here, you dumb bitch. I'll be watching Food Network and screaming at him how to cook, like, Gordon Tra- Gordon Ramsay or some <laughs> shit. As he's, like, eating popcorn. <laughs> microwavable popcorn. Yep. Hey, I love microwavable popcorn. I didn't say anything bad about the microwavable popcorn. Oh, they're going to come for you in the comments. I your just hate said that <laughs> if you are going to sit there and criticize the way that somebody. Maybe you should make your popcorn on the stove. Like a fancy. No, I must burn my house down doing that one time. No, the fuck. I'm so glad you've never tried it here. I can't. Uh, I almost lit the stove on fire. Oh, oh sweet God. Jesus. You put too much oil in there. Probably. Making a fucking cauldron of hot ass oil, trying to burn the place to the ground. No, it was one of the ones with the uh, aluminum foil over the top. The Jiffy Pop. Yeah, you yeah, almost. Were... Those are literally like foolproof, like to the point where you throw yeah. them in a campfire. Turns out there was a hole in the bottom of it. Oh fuck! You would and get it started the... to drip that hot oil over the fire. <laughs> it created a fucking grease fire in the kitchen. Oh no! Yeah, it wasn't fun. The girls drove down Dracula Drive and parked the car. They left the headlights on and climbed out into the cool autumn air. The woods were very still and very, very dark. Other than the headlights, there was no illumination 
No street lights, no houses nestled among the trees. The girls were alone in the nighttime woods. Laughing with nervous energy, they started to walk down the road, hoping yet fearful of seeing the monsters who supposedly lived in the woods. After walking a couple hundred feet, they heard the car door open and slam behind them. The engine started and the car barreled down the road towards them. Someone had stolen Deb's car. Oh, shit. <gasps> oh, no. The, like, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> Was one on one in the pedals and one's the steering wheel? Yeah, it's like the man in the trench coat. <laughs> it's like three of them stacked together and exactly. he's, like, wobbling around. The girls jumped into the woods to avoid the car as it charged towards them. The Granada's thieves were illuminated by the interior light. They were the size of children with disproportionately large heads and were clad in dirty rags. Their eyes glowed with orange light and they cackled wildly as they drove past the girls. The taillights disappeared into the distance. Megan, Deb, and their friends had found what they were looking for. They had found the melon heads. Dude, I love that story. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't fucking... It doesn't make any sense. Like, the, these secluded inbred melon heads just know how to drive a fucking car. Right. Like, they just, they just fucking... They're like, ah, fuck it, I'll figure it out. Yeah. It's probably one of these pedals. Maybe yeah. sometimes I do get behind the car and I laugh maniacally in my head. Yeah, you work the pedals, I work the steering wheel, and the other person puts it into gear. Yeah, that's perfect. My brain. My brain is. And busy. I got a set on your waterhead so I can see over the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> is it a campfire tale or a true story? Fact, fiction, or folklore? That's the mystery of cryptids. No one has been able to prove that the melon heads are real. There is zero documentation to support the story. Excluding eyewitness accounts, no evidence has ever surfaced to support these claims. But the legend continues. People claim they spot melon heads alone or in small groups, lurking in the woods, hiding their faces from the stinging glare of the public. Their sorrowful moans and cries echo in the darkness. The stillness of the night air is broken by the crunching of leaves and snapping of branches as someone or something unseen follows you through the thickets, watching intently with glowing red eyes. Or, if you ever travel the back roads of Connecticut late at night, you might see some melon heads joyriding in an old blue Ford Granada. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's or like what old, it even looked old like. Old classic car. That like there's no fucking way anybody sees that car. Like, all I can imagine is like the little melon head mechanic. <laughs> it is little, like, the, yeah, it like is overalls and shit. Fred on his name tag. They pull it into their like chop shop that they're running. <laughs> His name's no. like Gleep Glorp or some shit. Oh my god! No, Gleep Glorp. They just come up with names with sounds. Yeah. Yes, they don't exactly. speak. They don't speak English. They they have their own language. Gleep Glorp. Maybe they're the missing link. They're missing something. They're missing a lot of somethings. <laughs> oh All right, god. guys. Well, that's gonna pretty much do it for the melon heads. 
I love how you're kicking it off with something creepy and freaky and just... Well, I mean, we could do the stereotypical cryptids, but I'm like, what's something different? What's something that somebody hasn't just done into ad nauseum? And I heard about these guys, and I was like, this this would work. I'd never heard of them before. They're really cool. Like, they're a cool cryptid. I'm sending, I'm going to find an article on pygmies and send it to you and you'll be like, we need to do them. I'm down. I mean, we, we basically just did pygmies in Ohio, Michigan, and Connecticut. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything different from Ohio, Michigan, or Connecticut. Especially Ohio. Yes. Uh, the people, own. the people of Ohio are great people, Sam. And I mean, I have I'm sure from they're Ohio. great. I talk li- shit to them too. I'm sure they're huge fans of the show. I hope. We will get you guys a shirt made when we do shirts. Ohio is for Melonheads. Ohio is for Melonheads. <laughs> Just for that. We could do three different ones. Yeah. Who who has the... So, who do you guys think has the best Melonhead story? I'm going to go with the one with the insane doctor. That would be which one? That was the Ohio... Kirkland. Yeah. Okay. That is pretty insane. And based on the time period of, like, the torturous shit of, like, experimenting, like, that was, like, when they weren't really being watched. They're doctors. Mm-hmm. They should know everything. They're, they they're unquestioned. Doctors could get away with a lot of shit back then. Because you could just blame it on, like, oh, it was a procedure. She got ghosts in the blood. Yeah. Put some cocaine on it. The only, we, cocaine about yeah, it. the only thing we can thank those kind of doctors for is vibrators. Okay. I well, think- I'm going to let these two cure their hysteria. <laughs> um, but before we do that, who wants to drop those socials? I will drop the socials. First and foremost, thank you guys for following us through listening to Eric Ruin camping and everything else this Amusement summer. Amusement parks, barbecue. Anything fun. All the fun summer things that and I like to do. Thief ruined. of joy. What, what can I say? And if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about with Summer Slaughter, where the fuck have you been at for the last like three and a half months? And you need go to go back and listen. Yes. And you need to get caught up. And you also need to go make sure, listen to this episode and listen to our last episode that we did on the ending part of Charles Manson. If you have not listened to it. It's because great. it is. It gets fucking crazy. Mm hmm. But yeah, and if true crime's not your thing and you're here for more of the paranormal cryptids and strange and unusual shit, hi, weirdness. Welcome to Spooky Season. We are doing cryptids right up until Halloween. Yes. And then we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, I don't really have a theme for winter. So, So, I mean, the two main themes are summer, slaughter, spooky season. Spooky season. And then everything else is just peppered in. So, it's good. Well, it'll probably be like a rotating deal, maybe. Okay. Make sure you guys are following the Facebook. Make sure you guys are downloading the episodes. Yep. You guys can find us through our Beacon link um, and all of our episodes. It'll show you where everything is listed at. Um, we do still have the link tree for a little bit longer, but Beacon seems to be the better option. As uh, be- as yeah, Beacon's just a lot better layout. I like it much better. Yeah. Um, it, better interaction. Yeah. Make sure you guys, if you do listen to us on Apple Music, that you guys are leaving reviews. And let us know if there's a cryptid that we probably have not heard of and it hasn't been done that often or one that you would like to hear. Because I'm always 
This is my, y'all are flourishing in this season. I am flourishing in this season of our episodes because I love cryptids are my favorite. Not as much as you do, Christian. But I love me some spooky season. I love me some cryptids. Yeah, I wanted to do something really fun, something different. And cryptids just seem to be the right answer. And we're going to focus a lot on the American folklore cryptids. Um, One from another part of the world might pop in, but focusing mainly on American cryptids. Yes, I'm excited. For right now. So. Well, we will see you guys next week. Yes, we will see you next Friday. Stay creepy. Stay creepy, everybody. Bye. Bye.